On today's episode, I speak with Pierce Kreps. Pierce is finishing up his undergraduate degree in political science and indigenous studies at McMaster University. Pierce and I have a delightfully engaging discussion about his research and advocacy work, his future academic plans, and how and why he reconnected with his family in Inuvik and Tuktoyaktuk. Please enjoy the episode, and thank you for listening. Would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, uh, my name is Pierce Kreps. Um, I'm a graduating political science student here from McMaster University, uh, where we're actually currently sitting. Um, I'm actually Inuk. I'm Inuvialuk from the Western Arctic. So I was born in Inuvik, the Northwest Territories, and I actually ended up only living there for four to five years before I moved south to Toronto, um, where I was raised with my dad, actually. Uh, so I was kind of raised, well, quote unquote, white. Um, and uh, yeah, I've been down here in Toronto or in Ontario for about 20 years now. So um, that's maybe a bit about myself. <laughs> in terms of, you mentioned political science here at McMaster. Um, and one of the reasons, I mean, I had met you through Toronto Mute. Um, so, and also after that, I, you know, I kind of follow you on Facebook and see that you're kind of all over the world. So right through political, is it through political science that has got you involved in um, like advocacy groups? Is it right. the research part? Is it the personal aspect? So it's funny the relationship I have with political science, I guess. Um, when I first moved to McMaster, I wasn't in touch with my indigenous side at all. And that's where a lot of my advocacy work does come from. Uh, and a lot of my experiences in the past two to three years have stemmed from that. Uh, when I first moved from here, I was out of touch. Uh, I was studying poli-sci and just, you know, plain poli-sci didn't, uh, it didn't provide a spark for me. I didn't have any real interest. So I did drop out about halfway through my degree. And that's when I moved to Toronto. I worked for a couple of different groups, including Right to Play, uh, coordinating sport uh, for development camps. And eventually I did uh, meet Josh and then you uh, through Toronto Mute. Um, so there are a number of initiatives I have, uh, I guess, embarked upon through my, uh, I guess, desire to study political science and then kind of stem Indigenous studies from political science as a, as a discipline. What brought you back into the university That's sphere? right. Okay, so <laughs> in the in the year and a half or so I did take off, um, take off of school, uh, the work I had done uh, and the work I had yet to do, I think really brought me back to the university. First, I went back to, up north to the Arctic uh, to really meet my family for the first time. I had okay, met, when was that? That was, I guess, the summer of 2016. Okay. Um, I'd actually connected with a prof at the University of Toronto, uh, Dr. Max Friesen, uh, doing archaeological excavations in my community or in my area. And I saw that, you know, as an opportunity, one, to learn and, well, and two, to really connect with family. I wouldn't put those in any order, of course, but, you know, meeting family is very important. And, you know, reconnecting with the land that uh, I had come from you know, my first memories are of uh, being on the land, right? Skidooing, sledding, uh, eating country foods. So um, all that combined had made me realize, you know, I, I need to finish at least my degree, my, my, my honors. And then we'll see where I go from there. Was that the first time you've been 
back to Anubik since you had moved? Uh, that's funny, actually. You know, I um, when I was 15, I, I would guess I was going into grade 10, and my dad was going up to Anubik, actually, for a project of his own. He was editing a book uh, done by Dick Hill, um, actually Anubik's first mayor, years and years ago. So 2008 was the 50th official anniversary of Anubik as, you know, a federally created settlement. Um, so my dad had edited this book and needed to go up to Anubik anyways. And he thought, you know, combined with his love of cycling and the need to get me back up north, he took me up to Whitehorse where we cycled up to Anubik. Almost, wow. almost all the way, of course. <laughs> How long did that take? You know, we did make it, we took about two weeks to do it because we spent some time in Whitehorse and then some time in Dawson. And actually, as we got halfway up the Dempster Highway, uh, the highway kept washing out. Okay. It was the rainiest summer in, I guess, I don't know how many years, but uh, we couldn't complete our bicycle trip because of the rain. But that eventually I did get up to Anubik uh, okay. for the book launch with my dad. So, yeah. So that, all right. Now there's a lot to talk about. Okay. Right. Let, let's let's go with the bicycle trip because this just sounds incredible. And it might okay. be a sidetrack. You don't have to go in yeah. too much detail, but that's um so you and your dad that's right um and you just cycle along the highway and camp at night that's right so it was um kind of in what they call an unsupported bicycle trip so we carried all of our gear nobody was following us you know we bought groceries and stuff along the way of course uh but yeah I, I guess i was 15 years old i had the summer off and my dad needed to go up there in the middle of summer so um I took off a few days early from school with, and we flew our bikes up to Whitehorse, and uh, we, yeah, we averaged about 100 kilometers a day on our bikes, and uh, got to see the Yukon basically in its entirety. <laughs> Not really, but I mean, we saw a good portion of the Yukon, and it is remarkable. I mean, there's something about driving that's great in road trips, but when you're on your bicycle. Uh, you're right there, you know, alongside, alongside all the deer, all the foxes, the birds. Uh, so it was, it was really, uh, an eye-opening trip for a 15 year old. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, that was kind of my introduction to the, the subarctic and the Arctic, uh, was that trip. Uh, and it changed a lot when I did get to Inuvik, but. Any, uh, interesting encounters with other creatures along the highway yeah actually a really funny story um i can't remember which portion of the highway we were on i think it was the beginning of the dempster kind of after tombstone uh territorial park beautiful place anyways we were leaving the the, the one day and uh we're about a few hours into our ride and you know i'm looking at the mountains around me cycling down the gravel roll road and uh I look up to the one mountain and I see something in the corner of my eye, a white spot. And I, I, I thought, what's that up on the, you know, on the hill. So I, I turned back and I thought it was a polar bear because it was just this huge white object. And I yelled back to my dad, said, dad, is that a polar bear? And we, we stopped and got off our bikes. Uh, and we had, you know, maybe 30 seconds to look at this creature and it was actually a timber wolf, but, oh yeah, uh, you know, that's pretty remarkable to see one. Uh, so it took off and, uh, it went on its way, and we went on our way. But it was it was really remarkable. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so 
we don't typically start with stories, but that I couldn't pass up. Uh, okay. Biking from yeah, <laughs> yeah. from Whitehorse to Inuvik. Uh, your trip in 2016. What did that entail? Okay. Um, so my mom. Your trip to Inuvik in 2016. There that, we go. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. <laughs> What trip in 2016? Just tell me anything. <laughs> Great, yeah. So yeah. Uh, my mom actually sent me uh, a job posting posted through the Inuvial Regional Corporation, uh, which is kind of our, our governing body up north in Inuvik. Um, and what this job posting was, was in collaboration with a professor from U of T. I mentioned him earlier, Max Friesen, who was conducting an archaeological dig on a, an old whale hunting camp. Um, now... Because I had met my family up to this point, I, I went to meet the prof as I was living in U of T at the time. And I had said, you know, I find this really interesting. Uh, I've recently reconnected with, you know, indigenous culture in general. Uh, but what I'm really looking for is uh, to meet my family and to reconnect specifically with my region. Uh, because, of course, as you very well know down here, Chris, in Ontario, uh, a lot of the focus is on Eastern Inuit and especially uh, Inuit from Nunavut. Uh, so I had I had run this idea by him and thought, you know, maybe it would be a really good opportunity, um, you know, to get me up back up north to meet my family. So that's how that trip kind of transpired. So I flew up north in mid-June. I went to see my mom again, of course, and yell and I on the way. And then uh, I was on the land for eight weeks uh, with master's PhD and a couple of undergraduate students as well as of course a, a few locals from my region uh, conducting this archaeological dig. Was it in town in Anuvik or was it a, like how yeah. close was it to the town like to this or the settlement? That's that's a good question it was in on Richards Island kind of about halfway between uh, Anuvik and uh, Tuktoyaktuk where okay. all my family is from. Um, now this is really, really quite removed. You know, you see planes fly over, but that's really all you get. And sometimes you see the Coast Guard go by because that's their job. But, um, you know, we had no cell service. The only connection was by sat phone because of government mandates. Uh, and, you know, we lived in tents for, for eight weeks on the land, six, six weeks on the land, sorry. Wow, okay. And so then you were there. Did you come after that trip? Did you come straight back into university was that the plan or did uh, that trip kind of it carried for lack of a better word awaken things or inspire things or oh totally yeah i mean that's that's the thing i was walking ancestral grounds the whole time i was staying on the land and the whole time i was up in the arctic of course really um so after i conducted this dig uh i helped wrap up a couple of things with the professor in anubik and uh, i went i flew up to talk um oh, to okay. hang out with my family for uh for about a week, I think, before I had to fly back down south. Um, so I was able to, you know, go berry picking, and uh, I didn't get a chance to go. Welling was over at that point. The whaling okay. season was over, so I missed that. But What's uh, the whale, like the specific okay. species that, so we that were looking, lives in that region? Yeah, so the, they were looking for beluga whales. Uh, okay. That's when the beluga whale hunt happens, uh, kind of end of July, beginning of August. But I, I unfortunately missed that. But, um, yeah, they go out in the boat with their, you know, whaling guns. And, you know, that's a traditional food for our people. A, a, lot, a lot of people don't even know that down here. So uh, for me to have that opportunity or miss that opportunity was unfortunate. But 
um, I got to, of course, eat all the country food and do drum dancing and singing and uh, most importantly, meet my family. So I did stay with them for uh, a week or so. And then, then you came back. Yeah. Started school, or yeah. I, I know I'm pushing the, yeah. the pushing the, the timeline here, but it's so I visited there's, my there's way more. Yeah. There's way more nuance than I had even uh, anticipated. So it's all yeah. very interesting. <laughs> Great. No, thanks for all the questions. So I, I visited my sister in Vancouver, and uh, and actually the cheapest way to fly home was from Portland to Toronto. So I did a, a short trip in Portland, but. Uh, I came back into school in 2016, and the first thing I did when I got here was I uh, looked for the Indigenous Studies Department or Office or Student Services. So that was my uh, my my ideal. Uh, sorry, that was how I wanted to go about doing things when I returned to school. Is uh, you know I always come to the Indigenous Studies Office first, and that's kind of where I start my academic journey when I return to school. And then, so did you pick up where you had left off? And just and this is purely a, like the practicalities of getting a degree. So you did you you went back into the same program, but perhaps with a different kind of academic interest. Yeah, purely beforehand from twenty twelve to twenty fourteen, I was purely focused on Canadian politics. Uh, now when I came back. Um, I still enrolled in politics. I was still enrolled in that program, but every every uh, paper I had done and research projects had taken an indigenous uh, studies focus or uh, approach. And of course, I did focus on the Arctic in all of my papers. So, uh, yeah. Now, at undergrad, undergrad can be, well, maybe I just don't understand undergrad anymore. So maybe I could be way off with this. But the opportunities to do kind of your own research are more guided is the word is it is perhaps the <laughs> uh then or more constricted than what a graduate student would have so what did you find like what was there a particular area um topic in in political science or the across the the courses you were taking or was it did it kind of just happen that you were writing papers and doing research to fit the courses you were taking like was there were you did developing okay. a research project or like a research um agenda again for the lack of a better word kind of perhaps without realizing it or what yeah. was your approach your academic approach i guess is the simple question <laughs> so on my first year back i, I didn't have as much freedom because i was taking level three courses um yeah. so that's still more course based course based content and assigned readings uh except for my indigenous studies courses where i did have more freedom of course but where I really had all the freedom was in my fourth year seminars, um, specifically policy seminars, uh, where I was able to kind of pick a policy arena that I wanted to focus on and then, you know, explore that uh, more intensively. So that's, you know, how I navigated that and, you know, really did form my own research niche or what I, you know, how I figured out what I wanted to continue, continue uh, to research in the future. And that would be specifically what, yeah. <laughs> or what, like, what caught your interest? What, what, um, what motivated you to con like continue researching and continue academics? Because I mean, there's interest, but then there's, I mean, all obviously just completing a paper is not like one can clearly do that. But if you actually are interested in completing the paper, 
Yeah. Um, because the topic that you're working on or the issue or the, um, is, is either personal or interesting to you. So like what, what, like what types of things, like what areas or issues did you find yourself okay. being drawn to? Actually, one of the big things uh, I really do like about research is, uh, first of all, you pick a research topic because you enjoy researching it, as you just said. So that in itself gives you a huge advantage over, you know, those courses where everything's assigned to you. And second, I guess, uh, the opportunities research has provided me is uh, unbelievable. I mean, uh, in the first, the people I've connected with and I'm able to maintain those relationships with, but then uh, the travels have also been really exciting as well because it opens up, you know, a whole new world. Like it gives you another lens to approach you know, not just research with, but everything you do, you, you recognize your privileges and everything, right? So uh, that being said, uh, aside from my little spiel there, I do <laughs> like, because I'm a politics major and I'm Inuit, I like focusing on the governance structures that are in place in the Canadian Arctic, whether they're, you know, federal, uh, federal governing structures or more self-determined Inuit governance structures. Uh, so that is my focus now, or sorry, it has been my focus in, in my coursework so far. Uh, moving ahead, we'll see uh, how a future master's programs uh, will gear me and take that and gear me towards. But In terms of governance structures, like legislative, bureaucratic, like that type of, like say, what would, what people would think of when they think of political science, or is it governance structure like governance of social policy governance of environmental policy i mean obviously bureaucratic and legislative are separate from those those are they encompass them and those policies are implemented through that but like what type like what is it i guess the is it the mechanisms of governments governance or is it um is again how like what type of policies are and yeah. how policies are governed. No, that's uh, that's a really great question. I, I do find myself speaking very broadly <laughs> in broad terms. So I, I do want to focus on... Well, you're already good at being an academic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm practicing. So, uh, yeah, I do take... Uh, what I do find really interesting personally is uh, the governance structures and the bureaucratic and legislative, as you said, uh, pieces. But what I do want to focus on more specifically is how anyway are using the international uh, stage forums and levels uh, okay. through instruments such as the UN Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous People and implementing those and instituting those within their own governance structures. So you did mention the social uh, and economic policy and what I like to include in there, of course, uh, through the language of the de declaration is political uh, development as well. Um, so I do want to explore how those uh, how that language is being used in Inuit governance structures. And, uh, you know, we'll see how that turns out moving forward. Uh, of course, in fourth year seminars, it's one course where you touch upon, you briefly uh, graze over the topic field within the course of a year. But uh, for a master's level, uh, you know, education, I think I can really uh, dive a bit further into that, uh, further more into that, and then furthermore, PhD level thesis. We'll see. Yeah. What the master's cool. uh, supervisor <laughs> that, says. Um, in terms, because fourth year are, as far as I can remember, uh, and now I'm sounding like an old person, because when I went to McMaster, I did my <laughs> political science degree, um, for, they were seminar courses. So, I mean, they were 
kind of it's kind of like directed reading courses um i just raised that I don't, i'm not even sure nostalgia probably um in terms of because of your what you're interested in were the courses did any course have a specific like art to governance component or a, like an international governance of uh, indigenous peoples or in you know indigenous peoples working in international governance or was it or were they more again broader based courses that kind of equipped you with the theories and the methods and some empirical research and then you just kind of um worked with worked with your interest coinciding with that like the structure of the course okay I, I again i i always ask really complex questions when i really should just say were you able were there any courses that specifically related to your interest or were they more kind of you were working your interest through those courses right okay so uh within the seminars um they do teach a lot of the theory first um uh but during those uh you know that kind of theory uh section of the course that's when you i was able to draft a proposal and say you know these are my interests this is you know the literature i've identified uh this is how i want to go about researching this uh kind of very broad field i have and you narrow it down from there so uh, i was able to fit my researches research interests sorry into the seminars but within indigenous studies you have a lot more freedom and your profs kind of you know they're familiar they're for the most part, indigenous are, sorry, here, they're all indigenous, uh, you know, professors that are teaching this content. So they're familiar with the content and uh, can really help further guide you. Cool. Um, and then were you a part of any other projects while you were like through your undergrad? Like, have you been able to be an RA yeah, or, um, or whatever similar like, I guess easiest again, like, have you worked on any other projects besides your own, besides doing the requirements for your own degree? Right. No, I, I've been part of a couple of uh, very exciting projects. One is, uh, it's actually a summer program uh, coordinated by our McMaster Indigenous Research Institute and uh, the School of Graduate Studies. And it's an immersive program uh, where students, indigenous students like myself, who are interested in research and moving forward into a master's are able to, undergraduate students are able to uh, get matched up with a supervisor in their field of interest and kind of mimic the graduate student experience for eight weeks. Um, oh, wow. So that might be a, a lab <laughs> setting for some. Uh, for me, it was social sciences. So it was a lot of review and primary uh, data gathering and, and that sort of stuff. Uh, and we pair that, of course, a lot with um, cu cultural components. So we partner with uh, a group called the Indigenous Elders Youth Council uh, from Six Nations and are able to, um, we're able to participate in research and, you know, within our community at the same time. Uh, that's, you know, it's comfortable for Indigenous peoples to be uh, working out of a space like the Indigenous Studies Office we're sitting in right now as a opposed to going into a lab, uh, you know, in the medical school without any kind of orientation about how we're going to navigate that system, right? So uh, this program, I think, is in its fourth or fifth year now, and I'm coordinating that currently as, uh, you know, as a part-time coordinator. Oh, yeah. Cool. Um, so it's a really unique program, and other universities are starting to adopt this model and implement it in their own institutions, which is really exciting. Because uh, we do need more ind indigenous academics, of course. So 
that's one of the exciting projects I've been a part of. And I completing that last year, working with an Inuit prof here. Um, that is how I, she, Catherine Minich, uh, was really, really helpful in helping me figure out my research interests. So the Inuit governance I was telling you about is something I really focused on a lot last year with this social and economic kind of tilt. Cool. Um, and then I think, because again, this is just all following you on Facebook. You had gone to Tromsø within the last year? Right? That's right. And that was actually as a result of this program and working with Catherine. Um, we, you know, submitted... Tromsø, Norway. Tromsø, Norway. Yeah, just... That's throw right. it out like I, I haven't been there, but throw it out like I'm a local or something. I should. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. The, uh, they host uh, every year uh, kind of the Arctic Science Conference. Okay. Um, and um, to my understanding, they're incorporating more indigenous views, although, um, you know, it's only my first time going, so I can't say that with any weight behind it. But, uh, you know, we submitted this research as, uh, you know, we thought – it's it's really good to get Inuit voices in these Arctic science, you know, forums. And, you know, we were accepted. So I was able to go. Catherine was teaching. So I was able to go and uh, give a 10-minute presentation about this, uh, about my, our research area. And that was a result directly of the summer program I just talked about. What was the presentation on? So what we called it is Pilili Kating. My pronunciation is really off. Um, so it's, uh, basically collaboration, uh, within Inuit governance structures. It's okay. one of the IQ principles. Inuit okay. Um, so we did that focus, uh, within Inuit governance structures and talked about, uh, how we're seeing collaboration, uh, in the North in and governance structures. Was that your first kind of major international conference that was my first international conference it's been my only one so far but i'm hoping for more to come so uh so clearly the experience wasn't was a good one then yeah it was it was outstanding <laughs> it was outstanding um so yeah that was great cool well i'm glad your first conference went well that's uh you know always encouraging thank you yeah yeah <laughs> um so then how does how does that like your research and academic work and it's it's it, it's an unfair question in the phrasing and and so again i don't intend to i don't intend to suggest something but that also doesn't matter um how does how does that pair kind of with um for again i, I think too much about words but um like with at with like with your advocacy i don't want to necessarily i, I couldn't say activism as well but i feel i don't necessarily want to create recreate that distinction between activism and academia or um because for different people like you know there is no distinction they don't have a choice either or they come from an activist background so advocacy just seems i mean maybe it, it sounds more neutral and i'll just go there so maybe it's also wrong but how does that pair with your kind of work with toronto mute or because i also again i again the wonders and horrors of facebook i you were in new york at the UN that's recently, right. right? Okay. So like, and was that, I guess I'll, without presuming, was that more on the, like what could be said to be the advocacy side of what you do? Or was that again, research-based or again, uh, and back to the whole start. So ask nine questions in one question. <laughs> Is there even a difference for you between kind of advocacy work and academic work? Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, and that's one of the, uh, 
you know, things we've identified with Toronto Mute, uh, for those of you who don't know, it's a local youth organization for Inuit residing in Toronto. Uh, so we do youth programming um, and cultural programming and all sorts of fun stuff. Uh, but one of the things we've identified is that uh, there seems to be a lack of, well, of course, there's a lack of cultural connection uh, for many urban Indigenous peoples. Uh, so as an urban Inuk myself, uh, how I've been able to connect with communities is through research. At first it was work because it was, you know, I was working full time, but as a student, you don't have that luxury, right? So through academics and these past two years at McMaster, my connection to communities is actually research. And I'm hoping moving forward, uh, and ad advocacy, of course, in that, in that sense. So, um, moving forward, I think this will inform a lot of how, um, you know, my active activism, uh, does carry out. And then what the, just from, this is interest sake, what, what was, what were you in New York for? Great. Yeah, no, I was, uh, specifically, specifically, like, like what? What allowed you to go to New York or what pushed you to go to New York? This was uh, part of a connection that was formed in June 2017. I went down there with one of my profs who had has a connection in New York who um, is the executive director of a group called Tribal Link. Okay. Uh, so they work very closely with a number of UN agencies to connect indigenous peoples from around the world to the UN system. And what they do through this project access training, they call it their flagship kind of program, is uh, they help us navigate uh, the permanent form in itself. And uh, along with that, uh, other UN agencies. Um, so when I met her last June, I guess uh, we had maintained this uh, sort of communication and she had uh, invited me to participate in this, in this training. So I kind of had told her my story, just like I, I'm telling you right now. This, you know, I was removed from my home at a young age. Well, I, I was brought down with my dad, and um, I told her about my work experience uh, when I dropped out and how I'm using, not using, but how I'm, uh, you know, connecting uh, myself with communities through research and through work. So then I was uh, participating in that training for the first three days of my experience in New York. And then for the uh, rest of the seven days, I was, you know, at the permanent forum, uh, putting those, uh, you know, putting those um, trainings into action. And how did you find that experience? Yeah, that experience, <laughs> uh, it's very interesting. Being at the UN is overwhelming. Everybody, I was say it, yeah. kind of see, just even the short period of time, I would think. Right. You, probably had no time to realize almost what was it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a very overwhelming place. I mean, you have all these official, you know, government employees or, uh, sorry, representatives and then UN employees and uh, New York itself is a very intimidating yeah. place. I mean, it's how many times the size of, of Toronto, right? So uh, as an Indigenous person, it's really what the permanent forum I found was really good for. Um, other than voicing our opinions is how it brings us together. Um, and we collectively share our, excuse me, our, our problems and our desires and, uh, yeah, our desire for a, for a better world. Uh, that's, that's what it was really remarkable for. Um, so again, another positive experience. 
Yeah, overall, I think it was pretty positive. I think it's one thing that it is difficult to call an encouraging experience. Encouraging. Yeah. That's yeah. That's a, that's a really good way of putting it. Um, because the the countries, you know, the UN mm-hmm. is built for nation states. It's not built for indigenous peoples because we're not recognized as such. Which is a you know, that is the original problem. But um, uh, seeing how much time they have to speak and share their opinions is. Uh, disheartening but then seeing the collectivity of indigenous peoples from around the world is uh it outweighs that certainly and then takeaways from that was it um i guess other other than the the personal connections that you probably made and even and or other connections um did it did that experience shift kind of what you like your re like what you would want to do in like in a future research project or just again further deepen just your understanding of yeah it's like international governance both for inuit and as like super big eye indigenous people i it hasn't really shifted um my my research um interests i think maybe if anything maybe more towards uh focusing on urban migration because it is oh, okay. uh, a phenomenon that is common ac- across the world of course especially for indigenous peoples and we're very luckier in canada uh, to have the resources that we do you know we're sitting here in a beautiful indigenous study space whereas urban migration wouldn't look this way in uh, some of the places uh, where people I've met were coming from right so we are very blessed in that sense so if there was a research interest stemming from that experience it would be urban uh, indigenous people's migration to urban spaces across the world um but it does further inform me, of course, as you're saying, uh, uh, recognizing the privileges that we do have, uh, for example, is, is one way that it does inform us. And I think we all think we know that, but until you meet people and hear their stories, I mean, you, you, it's hard to realize those pri- privileges. Right, right. So in a, in a sense, it, would, it, uh, like, like a, it contributed to a more global understanding. That's right. Perhaps mm-hmm. would be a... That's a good way of summarizing that. <laughs> sometimes I can speak to the point, and other times I ramble on incoherently and ask we'll, nine we'll questions switch. in nine questions or in one question. Um, <laughs> so let's uh, let's see. So I, that's pretty much caught us up to where you are. <laughs> yeah. Um, your gra- plan is to graduate this year. Yeah. Well, uh, this year being. 2018 that's right someone is listening to this and not 2018 <laughs> <laughs> that's hopefully that's the someone, hope hopefully someone so hopefully to graduate yeah so my grades are being uploaded right now and uh <laughs> i mean by my calculations i'll be graduating good. uh okay, so good, good. Yes. unless something goes horribly wrong that i i doubt that uh, yeah but, uh, knock on wood but yeah. that's right and then you've ha- you have mentioned plans for future academic plans anyways so have you applied to grad school i know this is now i'm like just totally asking you about your entire that's okay that's totally fine and, but uh so have you applied to grad schools and like for upcoming like fall or are you taking a year off or okay yeah no i uh i applied to uh the london school of economics and uh, okay. and political science in in the fall and uh I, I have a conditional offer. Now that's conditional on me improving my grades for economics, of course. But oh, okay. uh, 
you know, it looks like well, I'll be heading there in the fall. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and that kind of fits in with everything why, we've... Why LSE, if you don't mind? Well, LSE, uh, its reputation, I've taken, of course, as I said, an interest in policy uh, over the past year or two. Uh, and LSE is remarkable and outstanding in the in the field of policy studies. Uh, and they have, um, you know, a very diverse group of, uh, you know, student populations attending that school. Uh, so I thought that would, with pairing with my a desire to focus on international studies, I think uh, the reason I applied was it would better inform me uh, on global developments. And that is the program really I've applied to is uh, international social and public policy. Okay. Uh, so that is the program if I'm going to be going there in the fall that I will be enrolled in. So um, that kind of brings together all my research desires because uh, Inuit, of course, are an international people as well, right? We use international forums, not only the UN, but uh, forums of our own. So Cool. And how long is that? How is it? A year? Two years? Yeah, it's a twelve-year pro. Uh, Twelve, 12 years. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I'm not gonna. <laughs> that's, a, that's a long MA. <laughs> that would be intense. <laughs> yeah. So it's a it's a twelve-month program, uh, straight through. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know how much of a social life I'll have for those twelve months, but yeah. Do they provide funding? Because London is uh, not a cheap city to live. That's right. I've learned that very quickly. Um, have you? Did you go and visit the, the campus before you applied? or? Just... Uh, I visited London. Uh, I didn't actually uh, visit the campus. Okay. Um, well, I, I mean, I breezed through. I didn't yeah, it's... take time to, you know, explore everything. Um, but uh, I think a lot of the funding there is actually reserved for people that come from, you know, less fortunate countries. Okay. Um, if you're coming from Canada, I think they assume, you know, you might have the means or you will have more means than somebody coming from you know, uh, a developing country. So, uh, I'm not sure how much opportunity, financial opportunity I will have from there, but, uh, you know, I'm hoping, uh, scholarships might, uh, might find their way to me. So <laughs> we'll, we'll see, but. And then without putting the cart before the horse here, um, after those 12 months, did you, you, you had, uh, you would use the word PhD. Is that the, right. is that the goal? That, uh, yeah, that is the, the end goal eventually, right. of course, um, whether I dive straight in. Uh, so the, the, this is a course-based master's with, uh, you know, a 10,000 word dissertation. So I, I won't be able okay. to, I won't feel comfortable uh, at this point, And I don't think I'll feel comfortable at that point diving right into a PhD. So either I'll, uh, I'll work for a bit and that's probably what I will want to do um, in policy. Uh, or I'll pursue a higher level master's such as a master's of philosophy uh, okay. or just a, a purely research-based um, master's so I can prepare myself for a PhD. Cool. But yeah, the, the, the goal is to really develop a, a niche of my own and, uh, and research that. And also, I'd love to teach politics as well. So that would be very, very fun. Okay. Yeah, but I have to live first. So. Yeah. <laughs> and then, in so in terms of work would um like with the research area that you have where would that allow you to work like i, I mean obviously in canada right or across inuit nunagap but like would it be like would you or a would you have a preference or b like anywhere in 
kind of the circumpolar region or again would it perhaps be to, uh, not necessarily circumpolar to perhaps get a different experience right no i think the the goal is to uh to move back um you know this is my home uh you know canada being canada being uh this um you know uh i want to get more comfortable um within the Inuit community as well so uh you know working in ottawa or somewhere up north i think is probably where i want to start afterwards just so i can get uh further connected with the culture and with the people um so that would be the goal i think uh yeah preference would preference like western arctic like the preference would be western arctic uh so i could connect with my family i know my mom would be incredibly happy (laughs) (laughs) um yeah that that is the goal to connect with the western arctic so is there any other stories aspects are are you do you hunt do you fish do you camp or again is it something similar like me like living in the city you're kind of now trying to pick those aspects back up or not pick them up but start them yeah that's that's exactly the position i'm in um raised in the south i mean we haven't had that much opportunity to get out on the land uh and hunt or fish uh so those are you know connections i'm always you know looking for right and that that has started at home uh you know my my family back home is a hunting and fishing family so they already know my interests, um, uh, and that is the goal, of course, to get up to uh, to Husky Lakes for uh, for the first couple weeks of May, so I can you know really really get out there and fish. But uh, you know that's that's What's something I'm hoping to do. What's the fish in the lake? Uh, whitefish. Whitefish, I believe. Yeah, okay. yeah. So, have you had much opportunity? It doesn't. Again, it doesn't have to be like any opportunity to fish or hunt, or no, just because you've lived in the yeah no south been limited uh not for more than a day you know okay. at a time so it's not i wouldn't really count that as real fishing i mean you know <laughs> so I've no done grand fishtails that you're... no grand fishtails <laughs> not yet not the one yeah. that got away or the one that was uh <laughs> you know the one time i did go uh so actually uh here we go yeah when my dad and i were cycling, that's what this that's what this portion is about it can you know, be a grand beautiful fishtail. isn't it yeah yeah you're only accountable to the people you mention, and and they'll you know they that's right curb your fishtail or not. That's so. right. When my dad and I were cycling up to Inuvik, actually, and you know how I said we did get flooded out, uh, we're still about you know a good forty kilometers or so from the uh, the midway point of the Dempster Highway. Okay. Uh, that's called Eagle Plains, where there's you know that's a truck stop, there's a gas station, there's a hotel. Uh, it's basically like a paradise in the desert, <laughs> if you will. So uh it was raining it was dark our wheels were you know it's a gravel road so everything on our bikes was muddy including us uh and uh we got to a point where our tent had flooded the night before at engineer creek uh and we had to sleep on picnic tables in a shelter uh which we're lucky was there uh so we got to that point in the night where my dad was like pierce like we we're not gonna make it we're gonna have to flag a truck down and get a lift to eagle plains uh so you know you know one, two, three, I don't know, five, ten trucks pass by without picking us up, even though we're wearing our safety vests with uh, reflectors on them. And uh, finally, about half an hour later, uh, after we keep trudging on through the gravel, uh, somebody does stop. 
And he's a guy we actually met uh, about a week beforehand, just outside of uh, Dawson City, who gave us Gatorade. (laughs) So he's like, he thought, you know, I got to keep going up this highway, first of all, because it's beautiful. And second, I got to see if I can find those two crazy guys from Ontario (laughs) to see how they're doing. So he saw the two cyclists waving him down. He thought, you know, this must be it. Uh, So we uh, continue getting a ride up with him up into Anubik, and we spend a couple weeks up there with him, and he takes off, and you know, we take off and go our separate ways. But uh, my dad and him maintained this relationship. And uh, the next summer, we actually went up to Manitowoc uh, in northern Ontario. Okay. It's about four hours from Thunder Bay. And uh, that's probably the most fishing I've done uh, in my lifetime. We were out there for about two to three weeks, uh, you know, oh, wow. in lakes uh, north of Manitowoc. And then we went kayaking in Lake Superior and such. But uh just when you mentioned that the no crazy fish jealous, I remember the one time before lunch I caught maybe only three fish and the guy who was, you know, who lived for fishing only caught, you know, maybe four fish. And my dad was just pulling him up like minute <laughs> after minute and he ended up with uh like two long racks and he had like fifteen fish to his own name. But I never pictured my dad for that kind of guy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's uh not much of a story, but uh No, that's a good story. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> we've just had a knock at the door, and this is not my door, so I, uh, I will have to go. So thank you very much. That was wonderful. Thank yeah. you for your time. Thank you for your stories. Thank you for everything, and good luck with all your future endeavors. No, I really, uh, I really appreciate you having me here, Chris, so thank you.